Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, changed our voices, gone underground so that we can stay employed, frankly, and uh, come to you every week with our unfiltered, unvarnished, um, really also unbridled Vern. views Candid. I want to just individual sure. stocks. Uh, every week we get together and we look for ideas in that week's Value Line Investment Survey. This week we're looking at the issue dated September 12th, 2008. But before we talk about any of our fabulous value ideas, we want to remind you that this is for entertainment purposes only. So disregard the sentence immediately preceding this one. Really? Well, our lawyers say we have to tell you. And we may own all the stocks that we're talking about or have other uh, nasty conflicts of interest. We have no so idea what we're talking about, at least that's, half the That's time. usually the major conflict. Not sure which half, though. Listener be might be honest. thinking, I bet they, boy, they sound like they really know what they're talking about. When well, sometimes we do. Sometimes we're just very sometimes good at sounding don't. like we know what yeah, we're talking what about. That's um, our job. Frank. But we always give it our best shot. Please visit our website to learn more about us, www.thevalueguys.com. Did you already say that? There's, there's so. pictures of us week. there. You might be surprised at uh, uh, really how different we look. In the second half of the show, I'm going to be back with, uh, well, three stocks that the average human being has uh, never heard of. But uh, uh, matter of fact, I guess mo- the average human isn't even familiar with the uh, concept of an equity, Of a stock. Of a stock. Yeah. So okay. I guess that would have to be true. Let's say Where's the three rice, stocks that um, – Far fewer than one out of ten humans have ever heard of. This intro seems to be going on and on. Can I just say that? <laughs> I'm sleepy. So, Let's so in get order going. to bring the introduction to a close, I'm now going to turn it over to the youngish Val Hughes. Youngish. Thank you, Vern. Wow, that was nice. Uh, I'm very sleepy this week, so I don't want to You're really... probably not as well prepared as usual I'm either. not, and I <laughs> wish I were more prepared. I, uh, I haven't been sleeping well, uh, but... Uh, you know, that's none of our well, listeners can do. when the stock market goes down two or three I points know, in a day? Well, today was a little better day. Value, small cap value. If you go to Val's best pick list on our site, uh, you know, the last six or eight weeks actually green. There's a lot of red if you go back. It's been kind of a bear market for value. But, uh, you know, I've been looking through that list. We've had some listeners ask me to set up columns of one month, three months, six months. You know, um uh, I think what'd that you, uh, what'd you respond after you stopped laughing? Well, no, I just said, listen, I don't. I'm already do, I'm already doing more work than I want to, as you know. I do put the list out there. I have a Yahoo account, the Value Guys, and what I do is I just copy, you know, the portfolio page as an MHT file, put it on the site. You can download it. It's not live, but I think you can actually create a spreadsheet out of that if you want to, or copy the tickers or whatever. But every two weeks. One of the stocks I talk about, I put up there as a favorite. The portfolio is about 50 stocks now. I don't edit it or anything. Uh, There's been buyouts and stuff, but it's a pretty fair sense of what we're talking about and also how the value market's been working. So that's out there. If you go to our site, uh, Val's Best Picks will pull up a a Yahoo Finance page. I'm really sorry my introduction went so long. Well, this is now my Mm. uh, introduction to... Val's best picks because we had – well, we, I'm just responding to we some email, Vern. No, we, we have email. I'm sorry. Have you – and I just – you know, no, I was you're just, right. You know, people want to know uh, about it. Uh, also, I have a thought. You know, uh, I haven't 
we've been doing the show for a couple years, and it's always, you know, we record a show, put it on the Internet, whatever. It's not really live or anything like that. But what I'm thinking about is giving out my phone number, my cell phone number, not my home number, because my wife wouldn't like that that much. Um, but uh, my cell number, and then people could at least dial in, ask a question. I can clip it, put it on the show, and we can at least pretend we're doing Q&A on the show. And I just think, you know, someone suggested doing that, and I'm just throwing it out. If you think that's a good idea, write me at val at com. Okay. Let me get uh, into some stock ideas this week, and I'm kind of going on because this was a hard issue, don't you think, Fern? I didn't have a lot of great Not ideas. as hard as last week. Okay. Uh, but I'm just going in page number order. There's a lot of, you know, energy-dependent stocks this week, a lot of raw materials <clears throat> that are, of course, up in price year over year, down most recently. But let's just get into it. Uh, page 462 in this week's Value Line Investment Survey, and I do give you the page Well, that numbers. brings up an interesting question. For with who? With interesting oil, to who? With oil prices down, yeah. is that good news because costs for everybody are lower? Or is that bad news because it tells us that the economy is sinking? You know, the bad news in it is simply that it's going to be harder to get price increases because, you know, you don't have the ready argument that your raw material prices are going up. And if you can get 10% raw material price increases driving a 10% price gain, of course, that's wonderful. Your margins probably go up because all your other cost inputs aren't going up as much as energy. Uh, and now with near-term prices falling, you know, it weakens your argument with uh, your customer. But I think, you know, hopefully there are still some price increases coming, particularly for the couple companies I'm going to talk about well, right they, now. Well, most companies have been raising prices kind of on and off for the past year. Right. And yeah. so some of those past price increases still need to annualize. And if costs yeah. that they were designed to cover are actually coming down, you could yeah. get some surprising margins. You could. Out. I think that's a very good point, Mark the dynamics of all this. Um, here's an example, page 462, Avery Dennison. Now, I've talked about this before. Uh, ticker AVY, you can pull our XML code into Internet Explorer and all the tickers are indexed. You could pull this up. Uh, I have talked about this three or four times. You know, they're basically a pretty good uh, specialty chemical manufacturer. They make all forms of adhesives. <clears throat> They've had a good record of high returns on capital, uh, margins that are good enough to make money, but, you know, bad enough to keep out big competitors. And, you know, uh, a long history of doing well. Now, the stock's underperformed for about, for about four years. Great. So, and I've been recommending it, so sorry about that. Uh, now, I contrast it. We do get some emails where people want to know, well, you pick one, you don't pick another. How come? So here's an example. Avery Dennison, page 462, H.B. Fuller, page 469. Like Avery, H.B. Fuller also is involved in the specialty chemical area, slightly different product list, but they also have some it's adhesives, coatings, sealants, paints, some other things. They've got a similar margin profile, low teens. Uh, they're both selling at about seven times gross cash flow, which is what, you know, detracted me initially. Now, but you dig into it a little more, H.B. Fuller has a lower return on capital, 9, Avery Dennison at 12, uh, and this is a forecast for 08. Well, that tells me that uh, Avery's a little better asset manager. They're deploying their assets a little better, getting a higher, you know, turnover sales to assets as a, as a ratio. Uh, okay, then I get look a little further. Well, HB, let's see, Avery. Or it could be telling you that they make some value-added products that simply require fewer, fewer, are less asset-intensive. 
Well, whatever it is, they're either managing the product list to optimize returns or they're managing their factor inputs. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in between S and A that you'd want to dig into on that. I agree with that. But you, so you don't know exactly. But they're doing something smarter uh, than H.B. Uh, Fuller. Then I look at their share count, and over a lot of years, uh, Avery Dennison has been, you know, in, increasing shares here and there, but largely flat. H.B. Fuller, on the other hand, uh, recently has been buying shares back at an enormous pace. Uh, so, hmm, I like that a lot. H.B. Fuller, if you look at their balance sheet over on the list of, val of uh, value line, $212 million in cash. They've got $45 million shares. That's about 5 bucks a share in cash. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, Avery Dennison has virtually no cash, a buck a share, less than a buck a share. Otherwise, their balance sheets are pretty similar, but you've got to like the cash. And then uh, what else? I look at the CapEx profile. Uh, Avery Dennison is generating, you know, six sixty a share in gross cash flow. They spend two forty a share. They have, let's call it free cash of some sort of four twenty stock at forty eight. So that's what, eleven times, something like that. HB mm -hmm. Fuller, on the other hand, two eighty five wow. of cash flow. Their capex is low, fifty five cents. That gives me two thirty five in free cash flow. Stock at twenty six. Also What's says that? over time that they should be able to eliminate the discount to uh, Avery's ROI. Only if they're investing in things that lead to a higher ROI than Avery's. No, if they can. I'm just saying they if they can sustain what they're doing. Well, they the could be putting the money down a rat hole. Equalize it. If their ROI if and they the spending is the what same. they're doing. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that as well. So you've got this interesting comparison. Then I look at uh, income tax rates. Uh, Fuller, 28%. That's nearly a full rate. They must be doing something good. They probably have some trade arrangements somewhere and they're you know, tax favored. On the other hand, Avery Dennison, 18%. Well, what does that tell me? Uh, it tells me they're doing something that could expire. I don't know what it is, but corporate rate normally would be uh, you know, up in the 30s somewhere, uh, and they've got you know, maybe a higher potential than H.P. Fuller to have that reverse out. So these are two very similar companies. I'm going to choose one right now. Uh, now here, on Avery Dennison, it says uh, things are mixed. Their larger businesses are doing okay, but some others are weak, and they're neutrally you know, viewed by value line. On the other hand, H.B. Fuller, uh, what? They've got also demand weak, bottom line a little weak. Uh, so they're both a little weak. <laughs> Avery Dennison, 12 times earnings. <laughs> I'm just comparing and contrasting. They're both identical on that. In this case, comparing. Yeah, H.B. Okay. Fuller, 14 times earnings. So Avery looks a little cheaper than H.B. Fuller. But then I look at something kind of like, uh, what, my free cash flow number take your earlier. Cash, take your five bucks of cash Right, that's what I'm saying. When you do out. that, you get eight times free cash flow for H.B. Fuller, uh, ten times for Avery. H.B. Fuller's been buying stock back. Uh, they do have a lower return, but not by a Slower lot. Slower grower. Yeah, but not by a lot. According to Value Line, actually, Avery's going to grow slower than H.B. Fuller, not that their forecasts are that distinguished here between the two. But Avery Dennison growing earnings at 9%, H.B. Fuller 10.5%. So these are very close. Pull these up and compare and contrast. I'm going to go on this pick with H.B. Fuller, F-U-L. I think they've got more upside than Avery. They're cheaper, and they could uh, improve their margin 
or rather the return on capital more so. I just got anything. chills. How about you folks? Yeah, exciting. I just compare and contrast. What can I say? Okay, next up, this is a very easy one. I'm going to win back some time on this one. Penn Virginia uh, Resources Partners LP, ticker PVR, page 520. Now, what do I like about this? A couple of things, ladies and gentlemen. I like that. I've never heard of it. What do they do? Well, let me tell you. They are in the coal business. These guys have 818 million tons (laughs) of proven and probable coal reserves, and I just want to say one thing about that. Coal. Thank you. Coal. Now, here's my theme. Coal is gaining share. It's the cheapest way to make electricity. We happen to have it here. And, uh, you know, they're going to figure part out... Of the, as part of the energy bill on the Hill, the Democrats are advocating a position that would require public utilities to cut their absolute levels of coal consumption. Well, they're all just going to get voted of, out. In favor you know, when, other solar... Et I'll just say this. Uh, the House gets elected every two when years. everybody gets their $800 a month fuel bill to heat their home and yeah, their water. Gonna, right, when they have that or they're getting brownouts or anything like Wake that. Wake up, America. You, you don't just, get it for free. You just have to vote these folks out. Uh, there are going to be ways to make clean coal, make energy from clean coal, et cetera. I mean, but you're dealt with what you're dealt. At least we're not Luxembourg or something or Bolivia. we got a big country. There's lots of coal in it. Let's not cry about that. Let's burn it. And if we have to burn it closer to Canada, you know, maybe that's an idea. I don't know. Or burn it in barges off the coast. I don't know. But we've got the coal. People like having light, heat, and particularly, you know, electricity they're runs gonna, everything. They're going to figure out how to yeah. sequester the carbon dioxide And if you see uh, Boone Pickens' plan, the Pickens' plan, you know, he's talking in the right direction, I think. Um, thank God he's got Al Gore there to advise him. Yeah, but you're going to need some fairy uh, pixie dust to well, actually make it happen. I think, you know, he's got some big thoughts. We do need to do something about this energy. And however you spin it, coal is going to be a part of it. In the worst case, it's simply because it's what we can afford. It's cheap. And uh, these guys have... So this is a miner. No, they don't mine. Here's the thing. They own land. They own these 818, well, it doesn't actually say how many acres that is, but they own a lot of acres, however many acres it takes. Or, or one acre to get, with a really thick yeah, seam of coal under it. It certainly could be that. <laughs> I don't want to say I know exactly how many. But uh, they have 818 million tons of proven and probable reserves on their land, and they just lease the right to mine that to other people who know about that. Just like if we own coal land, Vern, we wouldn't mine it personally. Would we? Do you have some skills? I would we never. Would, I would. I wouldn't would be able to outsource that. We would outsource that I would, I to would other hire people. Some guys in raincoats. You know, our kids or something like that. We'd get. Oh, no, but no. these guys have a long history of putting up. You know, mid low teens returns on capital, which is about right. You know, it's priced where it's going to keep other people out. You got to be competitive. But they've established some processes and systems that allow them to earn a pretty good return. That's certainly better than you can get at the bank. They lever it a little bit, and they got a... How is this different than just speculating on the price of coal? Uh, My underlying theme here is not one of speculating on the price of coal. It's one of growing market share of Wouldn't the stock just go up or down with the value of these reserves it owns? I think that since their reserves are mostly in the ground, you don't really know what they're worth in that regard. And what you have to rely on for a better source of value, be my case would be just what are they doing right now? What's the return in cash? 
Okay, so ultimately my thesis is that coal is in the ascension. These guys have a lot of it. In fact, if you take the 818 million tons of proven and probable coal reserves. Okay, so you're and saying, you sell, wait a you're minute. saying 8% wait, yield no, I'm sustainable. I'm just saying that it very well could be, Okay. I mean, I don't know the no, but future. That would be, that'd be a but great here's return. my bet that I know, I do know about. Coal is going to be gaining share of energy use in America. Even if we just move a few cars to electricity, you're going to have to make them uh, with something, and that's going to come from coal. And maybe nuclear, who knows? But the broad theme is coal gaining share of energy use, energy use going up. If you take their 818 million tons, multiply it by 100 bucks a ton, which I'm told by Vern that is that is a value. Uh, I get fifteen hundred dollars per share. Stock at twenty four. So obviously <laughs> something's wrong. Well, could clearly you be, could you be off on a I zero? I could be. There? Well, clearly the miners are going to take their share. Well, where are the reserves? You know, it says that they are mostly. Because there are other uh, kinds of coal that sell for $15 a ton. Okay. So if it's $15 a ton, divide this by Six. 10, I have $154 a share. Obviously, whoever's mining it is going to take their chunk of the ultimate value of recovery. Yeah, these they guys get some are just, small percentage All these of guys that. really get is last year, uh, people on their land produced produce 32 million tons of coal. Oh, there you At go. At your number... Uh, what is that, $3 billion or something yeah, like that? Uh, they have 50 million shares, so that's $60 a share in value, and they're taking their little piece as a broker, is, as an owner. What is, which is what's their be, revenue per share? They did 3.30 a share in cash flow last year, and they split that into two pieces. A uh, buck ninety-eight in the dividend, which makes your 8% yield, and a buck fifty in CapEx, which, you know, I can't tell you I know this company, what are they doing with that CapEx? <laughs> We're way ahead of you on that. No, I know that. Thanks for, for that. Uh, it is in my disclosures. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. think they must be buying some equipment. Uh, according to Value Line, you know, they, uh, they don't operate anything. They enter into leases. So I don't know if that's a lot of fancy desks and offices. You know, maybe they have some pipelines or something or coal slurry. Well, I don't you know, know if, I you don't heard know. The, if you heard the news this week, but it turns out being in the negotiating lease agreements and royalties on natural resource properties can be pretty expensive. I mean, there's drugs and alcohol and sex involved that all uh, I'm just funded. editing that out. In any case, um, I don't think that's an annuity here, and I think every industry, Vern, including our own, has its excesses. So I wouldn't start pointing fingers at the in this energy DNA industry. I thought you've got the pretty government, remarkable energy. discovery. Well, how about in uh, in on Wall Street, my friend, with elaborate bachelor parties and things like that? I wouldn't. Know I don't want to point fingers. Yeah, I don't want to point fingers. Uh, but let me just say that my story here is based largely on the cash flow they're generating from this deal. It's eight percent, and you have the value of coal going up. Finally. Uh, another compare and contrast, but I'm probably out of time. But two quick ideas. Um, wow. Let's see. Where am I here? This is on page 529. No. Let's see. I have a couple here. 523, Buckeye Partners, 529, Plains All-America, and 534, Williams Companies. These are all in this pipeline area. I looked at all of these, and I'll just cut to the chase. Buckeye Partners, 
and Williams look interesting. Plains All-American puts up a 1.8% operating margin. They have to store a lot of stuff and buy stuff to do that, and it's, the inventory's going up, so I just threw that one out. Even though they had a 7.9% yield, it didn't look sustainable. That leaves me with Williams and Buckeye, and I'll make a long story short. Williams uh, has a 1.6% yield. It's got pipelines in good places. They're putting up a lot of money to grow them, but this is a $17 billion market cap company. I think it's fully valued, and I don't, I'm not going to get into any of the details, but I spent a lot of time on that one. That leaves me with Buckeye, and what they have is they have pipelines for refined petroleum products, gasoline, jet fuel, and distillates. Uh, they pipe the stuff into areas that need it. Obviously, it's a low-cost transportation of an energy source that's in the ascension. Things are a little soft right now, so the stock's down. You have an 8% yield that's sustainable. Uh, it's 13 times earnings, but I think that uh, on a cash flow basis, let's see, cash flow is 9 times gross, 11 times free. That's some type of 9% cash yield. Plus, I'm going to get a little bit of growth here. Value line says 8 9%. Which uh, for them could be, you know, population growth, but also it's it's a growth of market share uh, in uh, you know natural gas and and other fuels that they move. Uh, near term results have been tough, but you know that just sets you up for good comparisons next year. Uh, Buckeye Partners BPL. <clears throat> I could go on and on about this, but I won't because oh, I've taken you. a lot of time. So uh, I should have I should have planned a little better. Anyway, with more um, a little bit of a do this week, uh, Vern Value, because he drove me uh, and will hopefully drive me the rest of the way home shortly. Vern Value. Thank it is you, raining. Vern. I know. Um, thank you so much for the introduction. Anytime. I'm going to lead off, and I'm going to move quickly, seeing as there's very little time left in the show. I'm going to lead off with um, I, what I looks like a classic value idea. Um, look it up in the, uh, I guess it's in the petroleum industry, Repsol YPF. It's an ADR. It's a, uh, according to the description, a Spanish-Argentinian integrated oil and gas company in, involved in all aspects of the petroleum business. So upstream, downstream, midstream, across the stream, they got it covered, Okay. And they have Good job, one of their one of their major subsidiaries is YPF. I love this in the description. It says an Argentinian outfit acquired in '99. So they, they outfit got, they got this outfit. Okay, was the mob running? And it or um, something? they're in the process of exiting it, uh, and just sold a 15 percent interest in this outfit for 2.2 billion dollars. Nice. <laughs> um, apparently, looking to sell another 20 percent short term. This must be what. Uh, management's talking about, they are quite rationally uh, trying to get out of Argentina, where, of hmm. course, the, uh, what is it, the Nestor um, family? First I'm not at liberty to disclose Christina my dealings with Argentina right now. are in the process of running the economy into the ground, uh, into an iceberg. time for me to speak. Pick your this. analogy. It's, you know, it's bad times in Argentina again. And um, so uh, value-enhancing divestitures. Um, I like the – there's a yield story here and an opportunity for the stock to rebound, I think. Recently – or the ADR recently around $30, yielding – a dividend yielding 5% with – Is that in dollars, Vern? In, the 5%. Do they pay no, you? in percents. Do they pay you in dollars? You know, I don't know. Do I have to know that to talk about it? 
Well, if their currency is going into the shitter, that might be good to <laughs> well, know. Well, it's a Spanish company, so I think maybe I get pesos. Is that what they have in Spain? No. No. They no. have uh, the Posada? Posada, that's yeah. what it is. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Travel a bit. I need get to. Around. I should yeah. do that. Um, so I don't know what they pay you in, but they've been paying out, really on average, only about 30% of earnings for many years. So there's nothing that would appear unsustainable about it. Cash flow and earnings are at record levels on the 10 years of history that um, Value Line's showing. But again, I don't have any reason to believe that um, they can't be sustained except for the uh, an assumption about the underlying price of the commodity, or oil primarily. Hmm. Um, the stock down about 30% from a high earlier this year of nearly 45. I keep saying stock. Can I ask a quick question? I know I've already taken a lot of your time, Vern. I apologize. No, that's fine. Do they have capitalism down there in Argentina? Left. Yes, they do. Oh, good. Because yeah. that might be oh, it's good just, for There's the only company. a little bit of it. They're trying to stamp it out. That's okay. the whole point. And, and that's why you don't want these guys to be there. there. <laughs> no, no, no. They're headquartered in Madrid, Spain. Oh, oh, good. Okay. I hey, thought they, you said it was they probably were a cultural affinity or got them involved in, in – no, they're exiting Argentina. So w- less than four times gross cash flow per ADR. Is there a lot of capital spending in this business? Absolutely. Still just 12 times free cash flow after capital spending, which is running below cash flow and looks like it has every year going back – on this page since 1999. There's, since the revolution. There's one year. There's one year. <laughs> so, you know, since I'm Shea uh, resigned from the board. Uh, <laughs> uh, return on capital has advanced into the teens in recent years. They have operating margins in the mid-teens. I, I, these sound like good numbers to me for a uh, natural resources-driven business. Like I say, they're exiting Argentina, and they apparently have a, not, a lot of new fields that are in the process of coming online. And they mentioned specifically, Value Line does, a Libyan field that just came online. Great. There are additional locations, North Africa, Trinidad and Tobago, Central America, and the Gulf of Mexico. So they have a lot of going on growth-wise. According to Value Line, they're assuming 2 to 3% average annual production growth based on the development of these new fields. Um, there's going to be some further improvement in capital structure, enterprise value to whatever operating income means for this company, less than four times, but I got less than four times gross cash flow as well. I think it's a 5% yield with a chance to get a rebound in the, um, in the value of the underlying security from the, you know, I mean, it's at $30. This is among the lowest prices in the last, uh, well, a few months anyway, but... Well, there's nothing I like more than buying a company I never heard of in a foreign nation. In a foreign country. <laughs> no, I'm with not actually a stock. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a contract with wonder, strangers wonder, somewhere. Anyway, uh, take a look at no, that. REP good. is the symbol. I've recommended okay. a couple. Okay. Here's of another one that I'm, I'm sure no human has ever heard of: EMS Technologies, uh, and they are not a uh, uh, supplier of anything to outsource manufacturers, which you might have been thinking. That's exactly what Based I was on thinking. EMS companies, yeah, right? Pecked, what is that? Uh, uh, something manu- external manufacturing services or whatever. They, uh-huh. You know the kinds of companies that um, actually assemble Nokia cell phones, et cetera. But that's not what this is. Okay. okay. Well, I lost that bet. Okay. This <laughs> this company uh, manufactures and markets wireless communication project uh, products for commercial and 
Am I supposed to be guessing some of these the, things? I don't, the reason you keep I like pointing it, at me. Am reason, I supposed to be playing? The reason along? I like it: government customers. They have a defense and space system segment. They have another segment called LXE that just sounds high tech, and they have a third segment called Satcom. Great. And I think Satcom. we need more of whatever Satcom makes, which is uh, satellite communication. It's right. antennas and hardware for satellites. Yeah. Now, in the description, they don't have anything about the makeup of the company. But in the, in the uh, little write-up of, you know, results, et cetera, we learn that SATCOM is about a third of sales. Mm-hmm. And the defense and space systems is about 20% of sales. So I got about 55% of sales in this core high-tech products for government, uh, which the government seems to want more and more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other 45% is for warehouse and distribution control products. I think we're talking about wireless inventory tools and the like, uh, where they uh, were only able to generate a couple percent of growth in the first half of 2008, and there's some uh, need to rebound here, apparently. Now, this is what I'd want to know more about in terms of the story, but if you look at the, the, the value line showing history for this company back to 1992, and really for a number of years, there was no evidence that it really had any underlying growth potential at all. I mean, Cash flow and uh, revenue per share kind of stuck in a well, in a range. Satellite kind of lost out, you know, because uh, when networks were beaming shows around the world, satellite was you know big time. But internet, you can't upload as quickly and all that, and they lost share of total data dollars in a big way. And they, so, in the last couple of years, you know, uh, significantly, um, um, a business that is significantly unchanged on the top line for. Looks like eight or nine years with revenue running just a little under three hundred million. Value line in 08 looking for three thirty five, three seventy in 09. We basically have some kind of a breakout going on here, um, driven by very strong growth in SATCOM sales running up mid twenties, uh, defense and space sales running up twenty percent year over year, and with a record backlog. So uh, it, they sold some equity back in 05 to 06. So the sales per share numbers have come down. They got better support for the stock at twenty-three and a half. Still have a ton of cash on the balance sheet. They've been making some small acquisitions apparently, but uh, my net cash position is about six dollars a share. So not really a twenty-three dollar and fifty cent stock, but more like seventeen fifty. And at that level, about nine times gross cash flow, which looks like it's finally breaking out of a multi-year sideways move. I think you have growing markets. What? I have nine times enterprise value to EBITDA. The stock's down pretty hard from levels earlier this year because they just missed a quarter, had a uh, uh, penny, one penny year-to-year decline. But Value Line's looking for double-digit growth and is expressly calling for a quick bottom-line recovery in this LXE segment. I have a question. Just to So I'm going to guess that there's a new product introduction that well, they had some issues I, what, with. What's the deal with satellites? Are they back in biz now? I thought satellites? satellites. Yeah. Yeah. What are they doing with the satellites? Uh, they're being put on rockets by more and more countries that don't have. Uh, uh, For what? To run their cell phone networks? And government purposes. Hmm. Okay. So it's not U.S. I just made based that up. Was it convincing? I, <laughs> it was entertaining. Okay. I don't know. Satellites, <laughs> to you anyway. It was, yeah. Satellites. You know, we can shoot them down. I don't think. I don't think that military. Satcom. Sales know. up 26%. Who, to Global who? aircraft to industry is expanding. 
uh, segment gaining uh, from demand for voice and broadband satellite communications in the military and business jet sectors. Business jet. Yeah, you're going to have you're going to have uh, internet on the plane on your video screen now. Okay. How many satellites does it take to give me that? I mean, a lot. I guess so. How yeah. many How many satellites a year are they uh, they putting up? Um, or, not nearly that many. So they have room to, to I th- grow. grow. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the bullshit section of the show right now. Now All returning right. back to Earth, the one stock that I have this week that you there know something about are a couple of humans <laughs> who might have heard of, maybe and that not you know maybe, about. Okay. Well, but I think you've actually talked about this show. No, I, maybe I've talked about. Maybe this I have. Before. I've I, I like this stock. I've always liked this stock. I've owned it in the past. RPM International symbol RPM. You never would have guessed, right? Um, no. Specialty have. Chemicals Company, but. Um, in contrast with something like H.B. Fuller and Avery Dennison, where the average person may not have heard of any of their products or brands, this company does well, Avery labels. Come on, man! Thirty-five percent of its business in consumer markets with well-known brands like Carboline mm-hmm. and Stonehard and uh, no Zinser, right? Zinser. I'm huge into that. Into that. Actually, brand. you may not have heard of those, but I bet you've heard of Rustoleum. Nope. And you might have heard of Bondo. I have not heard of that. And you might have heard of Drive It. No. Well, <laughs> I, I bet somebody that's <laughs> listening to this right now has. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. These are uh, uh, a DAP. How about DAP? No, sir, I have it's not. It's a uh, spackling that you use to cover up holes in the wall. I'm sure it is. I know I've not. No, heard that's because you've never done anything like that. Don't want to get your hands Listen, dirty, do I you? I don't want to reveal my identity. Just call the super, he'll take care of it. Oh, sorry, did I get a little too personal? No, I'm just misting up. Okay. Super's my brother. They. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is a company. They, the stock recently, 2170, about 11.5 times earnings, a 25% discount to the market. Yield 3.5%. That attracts me. Cash flow per share stagnating, in mm-hmm. part because material costs are up. Well, guess what? A lot of the stuff they make is made out of Petroleum byproducts, right? Um, so, but eight times gross cash flow, which has the opportunity to reaccelerate when the economy gets a finds hey, its When legs are these year-over-year comparisons going to get better for energy costs? Is that coming up now? When are we going? No, get- we're still, I think, a couple quarters away. So, better. at current oil, you need to get into February to have year-over-year declines. Yeah, I think. Okay. That's probably right. You know, I need to check that. Can yeah. I get back to you next week sure. on that? No, okay. just write in. Um, I just was curious. It, it, there's been multiple compression over time for this stock. It used to be a high teens multiple stock back in the 90s. This decade, it's been more of a 13, 14 P kind of stock, but 11 and a half times, a little below average valuation. There's nothing unsustainable about the yield here. These are, you know, very basic products. Um, there's an opportunity for profitability to get better. Uh, balance sheet looks really good. You know, yes, I have a little uh, close to a billion one of debt, but in that debt, I have about three hundred million of what's uh, uh, this says just two and three quarter percent senior convertible notes. These are uh, uh, what uh, people on street know as contingent converts. This one is going to be converted, and so um, shares outstanding 
just part of the calculations that value lines done on the page here are going up significantly. That's one of the reasons cash flow for shares stagnating. Cash flow is going up, but the share cash base is base. higher. <laughs> so there's not really close to a billion one of debt. That's about to go down by $300 million without affecting any of your earnings per share calculations. I really don't save much on interest at such a low rate to really make it notable. But with $300 million off of there and $200 million of cash on my balance sheet, um, I have about a $2.9 billion equity value, not the 2.7 market cap that Value Line's showing. You need to, we need to get all the shares times the current price. So I, you know, gross, I added it up to it's more like 133 million instead of the 131.50 average for 09. Mm-hmm. Um, add the 1.1 million of debt, take off the 300 million that's converting and the 200 million of cash, and I have an enterprise value that's only three and a half billion dollars. Well, with about 500 million of EBITDA or operating income, as Value Line uh, calls it, I, it's about a seven times multiple for a category leader in a whole bunch of really basic products, both industrial and consumer, under some pressure temporarily because of costs. I think you get, you know, it's a steady performer that's at least tracked the market for the entire decade. I, I think there's an opportunity here to make a surprising return over like an 18-month to two-year period of time mm-hmm. as the consumer turns around. So RPM, mm-hmm. that's going to be my favorite idea because it's the uh, it's the uh, least risky, I think, of uh, all these. Because face it, I mean, what do I really know about a company in Spain and Argentina? Although you have to admit this was a very Oh, that was a compelling idea. story and very, very nicely told. And, uh, and you, Val? Do I need a favorite? Uh, you know, oh, we're way long this that's week. That's fine. People can skip ahead if okay. they want to. Uh, you know, this seems a little odd, but I guess I'm going to have to go with, uh, oh, Anything which but one? the coal story. No, Buckeye Partners. Okay. BPL, page 523. We'll see you next week, folks.